Turn with me to 1 Peter, the second chapter, please. 1 Peter chapter 2. In praying about the uh, service this evening and, and the direction for these days and upcoming days and weeks, I was impressed with some of the truths that we'll be reading in 1 Peter. Also, you can find Romans 12. We'll just go from one to the other. And we'll read 1 Peter 2 and then Romans 12. In verse 5, he says, You also as lively stones, other translations bring out living stones, are built up a spiritual house. You know, God is building a house. He's building it out of living stones of which you are one. Amen. Every time you see lost folks, unbelievers, you ought to think building materials. Because <laughs> when the last one is born again, and the last living stone sealed into place, and this holy edifice is complete, the Lord's going to finish this thing and fill his living temple, a temple not made with hands. Aren't you glad to be a part of this holy house? You are as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Is this New Testament? Does this apply to us? Certainly it does. All the things we're told that happened in the uh, giving of the law, in the Levitical and Aaronic priesthood and service, temple sacrifices, all these things were symbolic and, and typical of the fulfillment of the real, just like they had in the New Testament, I should say, just like they had a high priest, we have a high priest, Jesus, right? And just like there were priests, now we have priests, we are the priests, right? And just like they offered sacrifices, we offer sacrifices in the new covenant. Sacrifice is not an Old Testament word only. Sacrifice is not just an Old Testament concept only. We are to offer sacrifices in the new covenant. Do you believe it? Let's read it again. He said, verse 5, You as living stones are built up a spiritual house. You are a holy priesthood. We're a holy priesthood. What does the priesthood do? We'll think under the old covenant. What did the priest do? The bulk of the work of the priest and the Levites was the offering of sacrifices. I mean everything from the cutting of the wood to the keeping of the fire to the cleaning to the sacrificing of the animals to the offering of the blood or the there, there were so many different things that they were to do priests offer sacrifices right and he said that we're a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God by Jesus Christ now this should excite us and bless us that we could sacrifice and minister to and give to the giver things he would receive from us and things he would find acceptable and be pleased with from us. Is that a high thought and a good thought? Let me read some other verses. You don't necessarily have to turn to them. They'll put them up on the screen for us. Romans 12 and verse 1. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a what? A living sacrifice. Now, it was great that he put that word living in there. 
<laughs> because for the bulk of the Old Testament, if you offered it as a sacrifice, you cut its throat and put it on the altar and burn it. <laughs> so living. Of course, in some ways that'd be easier than what he's talking about. Because <laughs> it'd be one time it'd be over. And this is every day. That you present your body a living sacrifice again that it could be holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now we're going to see this over and over again, but here he connects the idea of sacrifice and service. Your service with your body being an acceptable sacrifice to him. Have we been made kings and priests unto our God? Can we operate as a priest now in these days offering up spiritual sacrifices that God finds acceptable and will receive of our hand? It is the truth. It's New Testament. One of these is what we do with our body. What we do with our body. Let me read some other ones to you. Philippians 2.17. Paul says what we, we just got through reading here in Romans. He said, if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Now notice, he's not crying about the sacrifice and service. He's not down. He's not depressed about the sacrifice. This is one of the key indicators that a sacrifice is acceptable. God loves what kind of giver? What kind? God loves a cheerful giver. Prompt to do it. Happy to do it, glad to do it, giver. Now, why would he love a cheerful giver? What kind of God is he? He's a faith God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. And when you are giving something, something's going away from you, and you're happy about it, it proves there's some faith involved, right? Or when you're sacrificing something and you're happy about it, there's got to be some faith involved. You're not just walking by sight or by feeling or you'd be clinging to, holding to. You know, I think sometimes even preachers have left the idea that if you shake the people long enough till the money falls out, They'll kind of be blessed in spite of their self. But it's not true. I said it's not true. That passage we're quoting from, God loves a cheerful giver, that's he was talking about an offering, wasn't he? And he was talking about giving. Uh, you can set your harvest up yourself. You give sparingly. You'll reap sparingly. You give bountifully. You'll reap bountifully. According as a man purposes in his heart, so let him give. For God loves a cheerful giver. And he's able to make all grace abound back to you. Amen. But it's not enough just to say, all right, okay, there, God, there's your dollar. (laughs) Shut up, preacher. (laughs) That's not okay. You got to be glad to do it. Happy to do it. Right? Right? Got to be, you know, I was studying on the subject of praise back years ago. I had the privilege of teaching a course at Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry, Ramo Bible Training Center, on praise and the praise life. And during that summer before the school year began, I was doing some study along that line, preparing. And um, as I got into some of this we're talking about now, uh, that praise and thanks is something we can offer him. As a priest in this new covenant. In fact go to Hebrews. While we're talking about it. Go to Hebrews 13. I'm moving too fast. You had Philippians didn't you? Well. Get Philippians 4. And then Hebrews 13. 
I never taught this exactly like this before. You believing with me? Thank you. Philippians 4.18. These saints at Philippi had sent monetary and physical things. Offerings to Paul more than once. Repeatedly. And in verse 18 he says, I have all and abound. I'm full. Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. Uh, an odor or fragrance of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. What's he calling a sweet fragrance to God, an acceptable, well-pleasing sacrifice to God? What's he calling that? An offering. An offering of money and stuff that they sent to Paul repeatedly. Now, there are folks that try to leave the idea God don't care about that kind of stuff. And we should never talk about it or think about it, but it's contrary to Scripture, isn't it? Here's an offering of money and stuff that God, the Spirit of God says through Paul, God found a sweet-smelling fragrance. God smells offerings. I'd say it like this. When they're done right. With a right heart. It's part of what we're talking about. Do you think these people's heart. Obviously was right. They wanted Paul's needs met. They wanted him helped. They wanted him taken care of. Where he was and able to do what he, the Lord was dealing with him to do. And they sent to him once and again. Repeatedly. And the spirit of God is speaking through Paul. He said I want you to know. God smelled that offering that you sent to me. God breathed it in and said, don't that smell sweet? (laughs) Maybe his English is better than that. I don't know, but something to that effect that it smelled good to him and was acceptable to him and well-pleasing to him. Thank you, Lord. Offerings are much more important than a lot of people tried to intimate and suggest And the ones that are so adamant about they're not important are the ones that don't give. That's why it kind of goes hand in hand. In the very beginning of the Bible, the first big incident, the first murder was over what? An offering. It's always been a big deal. And that's why you hear so much fuss about it. Now, no one should ever, in the things of God, should ever try to put pressure on or coerce or manipulate somebody to give. Because even if you got them to do it, if they didn't do it gladly and willingly, it wouldn't be a sweet smell. It wouldn't be acceptable to the Lord. But here, he said it is a sweet smelling what? A sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. Are these guys at Philippi operating in their priestly ministry? And even though they're not bringing bulls and goats and calves to the temple, they are bringing something to God, aren't they? Spiritual sacrifices. And they must have offered them with a a heart of faith and love and gladness. And the Spirit of God said through Paul, it's Sweet fragrance, well-pleasing, acceptable to God. That's an offering. Look at Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, 15. It says, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. This is another sacrifice, but it's not a sacrifice of money and stuff. It's a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Could that be a sweet fragrance and well-pleasing and acceptable to the Lord? Thank you, Lord. As I was studying along this line and I began to see, like I mentioned in that summer before I was teaching that course at the Bible school, I began to see more and more clearly Praise and thanksgiving and offerings and a whole host of things, we can give to God and He will receive it from us. And, and the thought of giving something to the giver, the created giving to the creator, 
and him accepting it and receiving it and being pleased with it is a high thought in my mind. Isn't it yours? That we would have something to give to him that he would receive, that he would enjoy, that would please him. And as I was doing that, I remember distinctly I was in my living room by myself, had several books spread out around my chair and the table, and I was studying and making notes and getting ready for that course. And the Spirit of God spoke to me. The Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice now, but inside me, like he'll speak to any Christian that'll pay attention and listen to him. And he said this to me. He said, Keith, I'm at praise and worship and thanksgiving. He said, Keith, if you're not enjoying the praise and worship and thanksgiving, don't assume I'm getting much out of it. (laughs) If you're not enjoying the praise and worship, don't assume I'm getting a lot out of it. (laughs) Why? Because he doesn't just listen to see if we're hitting all the notes. You know, I think our sound compared to heaven's sound is quite substandard. The actual audio, (laughs) right? Because everything down here is flawed by the curse. I mean, our instruments, our speakers, our bodies, everything. But he's not just listening to hear if you got perfect pitch. What's he listening for? The Lord sees and hears the heart, right? The heart. And it is the heart of the giver that determines if the gift is acceptable. It's the heart of the giver that determines the acceptability of the gift. And I'm going to jump ahead a little bit and say this. The value of the gift to the giver determines the value of the gift to the recipient in these spiritual things. If it doesn't mean anything to you, why would it mean something to him? If it's not worth anything to you, if it's of no value to you, why would it be of value to him? That's what, is that what he was saying to me, Keith? If you're not enjoying it, what? If you don't, if you don't want to do it, if, you don't, if you're not happy to do it, if you're not enjoying praising me, what if I showed up with you one day and I said, oh, it's Charles. Praise you, Charles. Charles is a good guy. Charles is great. Charles is super, super, super. Charles is super. Charles is a good, good guy. Good, good, good guy. Good guy. And I just sat there chanting that in front of you. Like I had something to accomplish and finish up. It's kind of like putting in your prayer time. Somebody says, man, I was able to pray a whole hour today. Well, how'd you like for me to say, I was able to stay with them for a whole hour. It was tough, but I stuck it out. And I thought about leaving about 50 times, but I thought, no, I'm going to stay with them an hour today. (laughs) What'd you like to say? Oh, great. You stayed with me an hour. No, if we're not enjoying it, if we're not, you know, does the Lord want us to pretend we're spending time with him and we're just going through the paces and trying to check a box and say we pray? If you're not enjoying prayer, it's because you're not doing it right. If you're not enjoying reading your Bible, it's because you're not doing it right. If we're not enjoying praise and worship, it's because we're not doing it right. If we're not enjoying giving, it's because we're not doing it right. Offerings, if if we're not enjoying serving, it's because we're not doing it right. And the heart of the giver determines the acceptability of the gift. Do you see that? Do you believe that? Now, a, uh, a sacrifice, let me give you some definitions of some things. A sacrifice... Literally means to slay or to kill. To slay it or to kill it. You know, uh, 
You have to watch about taking a truth and making it the truth. Some folks only preach a message of suffering and sacrifice. And from their perspective, you should never even think about God doing anything good for you or healing you or helping with your finances or your bills. No, no, we're, we're predestined to a life of suffering and pain. And that's just the way of the Christian. And then you can come out of that ditch and go all the way across the road and go and ditch on the other side. And there's folks that suffering is a bad word. Don't even bring that up. Sacrifice? No, that's Old Testament. All we want to hear about is prosperity and healing and victory. (laughs) Oh boy. But both passages, both subjects are in the Word, in the New Testament, and there's no disagreement between them. Is there? There's not. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law, but we haven't been redeemed from all suffering. The Bible talks about a suffering according to the will of God. The Bible said, yea, they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The folks that shout so much about uh, prosperity, and I'm one of them, quote scriptures like, you know, uh, 30, 60, 100 fold, but the rest of that verse says, with persecutions. Right? So somebody said, well, which one's right? No, you get both. You get the hundredfold and the persecutions. They're a package deal. We're not supposed to be suffering because of our sin. We're not supposed to be suffering because of the from the penalties of sin, which include things like depression and being full of fear all the time. And being having your life cut short with every manner of disease or, or accident or not, not being able to have any of your needs met and none of your desires fulfilled. That's, no, that's, that's not what we're supposed to be suffering. Now, a lot of Christians are doing that and claiming they're suffering for the Lord, but it's just not true. But on the other hand, we have a whole generation of what I'm going to call no sacrifice saints. <laughs> Only interested in what the Lord can do for me. Not interested in what I can do for him. If it's a seminar on healing, they're in. Huh? It's a seminar on prosperity, sign me up twice. Right? Staying full of joy and peace, victory, yes, yes, yes. But... If you talk about sacrifice, folks look at you funny like, huh? We redeem. Redeem from sacrificing? Redeem from sacrificing? No. Every person I know in the ministry that God is using to a noticeable degree, any of the folks that I know anything about, and I do know about some, And behind the scenes and from the previous decades, every one of them have sacrificed heavily. Now, faith people, you won't always know it because they don't always talk about it. Did you hear me? And faith people are not going to cry while they tell you about the sacrifice because they did it gladly. Willingly, come on, are you listening to me, friends? With a glad heart. And would do it again in the flesh. I know Phyllis and I, just in the last 30 years, we have left what it took years and years to build up and accomplish. We have left all of it three times in the last 30 years. You felt like you're starting over from scratch. 
And it could pull on you. I know when we were leaving Tulsa. After 20 something years. We had the dream house. That Phyllis desired for. 25 years. That we had sown seed. And believed God. And taken about 10 steps to get there. And it wasn't fully uh, built out and furnished. It was great man. And we got it for a song. You know what I mean by that? I mean, it was outstanding. Six-car garage, swimming pool, tennis court. And you'd be shocked at what we paid for it. Less than a lot of folks' house that was a fraction of that size. The Lord just did it for us. And Phyllis wanted a kitchen a certain way, and she'd been believing. And I mean, a, a man walked up to her and handed her an envelope full of money and said, do your kitchen. Well, she did. Had all the latest, greatest stainless stuff and, you know, nice. And just about a month after that, the Lord said, leave it. Go to Branson. Branson's a place you ought to be. (laughs) So we loaded up the truck. (laughs) We had already done that before. And I know I was traveling full time. I had no idea that we'd have a church here at that time. I thought we'd just relocate to here. And it wasn't making sense to me. I had just got an airplane hangar on the field 10 minutes from us. It was paid for. I could be out of my house and in the air in, you know, less than an hour. Be out there ready to go in 30 minutes. And I found out out here, there was nothing available for me. This airport was short and had big boulders on both ends. (laughs) And you had to drive an hour to get to Springfield. And a whole lot of stuff just wasn't clicking for me. And we didn't find any place, so we're just going to rent whatever we could. And it really looked and felt like you're just stepping way back and starting over. And, And we didn't know anybody up here and didn't know that anybody knew us and And uh, I'm shaving one morning. And I was thinking about this. Man, you know, Phyllis has got to leave her dream house. and I got to leave my airport and my hangar and this and that and the other. We don't know where we're going to be. We don't know where we're going to put our stuff. What are we going to do? And the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but again, inside me, very distinctly. Same Spirit of God that's led me all these years. He said, Keith, son. Do you believe I'm able to do better than this? To my, what we're turning loose of. What we're walking away from. Do you believe I'm able to do better for you than this? I stopped. I said, yes, sir, I do. I do. And, and, and I am not thinking that way anymore. And, and just a few days after that, he said, I'm going to give you the best of Branson. Amen. He did. He did. This place is one of some of the best in Branson. Yes, sir. And thing after thing after thing that we could go into, he's done it. But what if we hadn't turned loose of that? So what we had to do is make that house a sacrifice unto the Lord. Make that hangar. I put it for sale. We, we needed money not long after that to, to make the deal on what was our first place, the Yellow Ribbon Theater. And I just, we began to sell what we had. We gave away everything, all our personal money, all our ministry money. I mean, we emptied it. Emptied it. I put that hanger for sale. It sold the first week. (laughs) You just don't know how we had to stand and believe God to get that thing. And to get it, we didn't have the money and God did it supernaturally and it was paid for. Anytime you turn loose of something that's in your hand and you don't see anything to replace it or any way to replace it. You're going to be tempted to be afraid, aren't you? And to cling and to hold on. But I'm telling you, you cannot find the plan and will of God and you cannot walk it out. You cannot have God's highest and best unless and until you're willing 
to sacrifice everything. Did you hear me, friends? This is why so many people never get it and they never find it. Because they just are not willing. They hold on to that little thing that they've got. I know when we left Mississippi, all we had was a trailer house and a hot rod and a motorcycle and a dog and a little piece of land. But it felt like I was leaving my whole life because that's all I had. I didn't know a soul out in Oklahoma. And my parents and grandparents had told me, if you stay here, you know, well, my, you know, you can have this land and you can in time to come. And they were very supportive of it. But you're looking back, what am I leaving and what am I going to? I got no prospects out there. When we arrived and for weeks couldn't find a place to stay and are spending our tuition money, our registration money, because that's all we had. And we finally got a little place in not the best part of town. And uh, the first night we were there, the folks in the building next door greeted us by siphoning all the gas out of my pickup. <laughs> we got no gas, no money. School stuff. It looks like you're done before you start. And uh, Phyllis's parents decided to come visit us. <laughs> Thank the Lord. That's how come we ate that week. <laughs> and had some gas. And thing after thing happened. Thing after thing happened. Do any of you that have been around our ministry very long, you, you know the song, I trust you. Yeah. I trust you. I trust you, Lord, I do. Yeah. Never even worry, I might not make it through. I got that on the couch in that little apartment. Sitting there, no money to even get started in school. How you going to make it? How you going to do it? And you can cry and you can feel sorry for yourself and you can say, we might as well just quit and go home. Or by the grace of the Lord, I said, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you, I do. I'm not even going to worry that we might not make it through. Because I know you love me, I'm going to trust you and I will always trust you. And we made it through that week. And we made it through the rest of the month. And we were able to register. And we made it through the first term. Didn't look like we were going to have money for the next term, but we did. And the next, we were going to go one year. And then go back to Mississippi. (laughs) And at the end of that summer, something just didn't seem quite right about packing up and leaving. So we, we were planning on leaving. We were planning on going. And Phyllis and I both had a check. We thought, you know, we better pray about this. And by the grace of God, he helped us to see, no, you're not done. So that one year turned into 20 plus. <laughs> and the same God that gave us our gas money and our tuition money gave us our first apartment. We had to believe God to get in an apartment that you actually felt safe in. Man, it, it was a great day when they told us, yeah, your name's on the list. You can move. It was three stories up. <laughs> had to haul every bag up and down. and You had to go to the washeteria and all that kind of thing. But we thought we had been set free, brother. Because <laughs> the other place, we, I mean, sometimes you didn't have to turn the TV on. Just raise the blind. And look out in the window. And it was stuck. One night we came out to go to church and we stepped out the door and we heard on a bullhorn, get back inside. <laughs> it was the police out in the streets and they had it barricaded off. I said, baby, we better go out the back tonight. So. <laughs> but I'm so thankful. Looking back, it wasn't easy. It was tough. But looking back, I wouldn't take anything for those times. We learned how to believe God during those days. We learned how to believe God for every meal, for every pair of socks. Come on, are you listening? And the same way we believed God for that then, it's how we're believing for this Word Production Center now. How we're believing for the church in Sarasota. You see, same thing. But if you don't learn on the little stuff, you never get anything bigger. And if you're not willing to sacrifice... If God's going to bless you beyond what some others have been blessed, he's got to have a reason. 
He's got to be just about it. If he's going to use you in ways that not everybody has been used, he's got to have a fair and just reason for doing that. And the only one is that you sacrificed when others would not. You obeyed when others would not. Are you listening, friends? And you see this again and again and again. Go with me, please, to the book of Luke. I believe it's about 14 or so. Luke 14. I am so thankful that the Lord, by his grace, we were able to obey him and and come here to Branson. I mean, before that time, the internet ministry did not exist. The word supply did not exist. Are you with me, friends? Thing after thing after thing. And those things we would never have experienced, I don't think, if we hadn't have followed his plan and gone his way. But in order to get the bigger thing, you got to turn loose of what's in your hand. You got to turn loose of what's your security blanket. What's comfortable. And it's hard on your flesh. We've done it multiple times now. And I can't tell you that it just gets to where there's no issue anymore. Because the more the Lord adds to you, the more you got to turn loose. To take the next step. Here's the question. You know what he said to me when I was shaving that morning? What did he say? Keith, do you believe I'm able to do better for you than this? He's talking about what we had there and where we were. Do you believe I'm able? I mean, it went all through me. uh, It wasn't an audible voice, but my toes heard it. You know what I mean by that? I mean, I I laid my razor down. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Forgive me for dawdling about this and still thinking about this like this. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I wouldn't have a thing if you hadn't given it to us and brought us this far. And if you say go, here we go. I had people concerned about me. They said, you're leaving and you're leaving this and you're leaving that and you're selling all this and you're putting all that. What if, uh, you know, that's a big building. What if nobody shows up? What if this? What if that? What if the other? (laughs) Well, you do need to to make sure you've heard from the Lord. You do. You need to check it and then check it again and check it again and check it. But you get to a point where it's not time to check anymore. It's time to do it. (laughs) And uh, I finally told one of the guys, I said, well, I'm a man. I could miss it. I could. But I would rather step out and fall flat on my face, endeavoring to obey God. Come on, are you listening to me? The Lord knows my heart. Then to sit back. Play it safe, too scared to move and do anything. Because the Lord will have no pleasure in them that draw back. He's a faith God. He wants to see you step up and step out and trust him and believe he can and will do exceeding abundantly above what you've asked or thought. I'm telling you, there's no question about it. Here, uh, ten years later, we're Head and shoulders above. Leagues above where we were. Ministry, personal, every way. In every way. What if we hadn't obeyed? What if you hadn't turned loose and stepped out? What what if you hadn't? I wouldn't be looking at you. This wouldn't be happening. But that's not just for preachers. That's for every child of God. Not everybody's supposed to stand in the pulpit, but everybody has a plan of God for their life. And it all works exactly the same way. Do you believe it? Are we, have we been made unto our God kings and priests? To do what? To offer up spiritual sacrifices. That are holy and acceptable to God. Do you have anything to offer him? Yes. yes you do. You got your life. You got your body. You got everything that's in your hand. Come on are you listening to me? And when he calls for it. It's not time to cry. And wonder. <laughs> is it? Did you know God will ask you for your Isaac? What's your Isaac? 
Hmm? Did God ask Abram, Abraham for his Isaac? Your Isaac is the thing you believed God for for decades. Your Isaac is the thing that is the nearest and dearest to your heart. Your Isaac. And if God ever asks for your Isaac, do not cry. Why? Because is he a good God or not? If he's asking you for your Isaac, what's going on? He never just takes something away from you. He's not the thief. Is he? He's not the taker. What a hero of faith that Abraham is. That when God said, take him and bring him to me and sacrifice him to me. The next morning, early, he's out there. Donkey's packed. Here we go. Right? Here we go. That's why he's in the book, brother. That's why he's the father of faith. Do you reckon looking back now after all these centuries, he feels like he did the right thing? What do you think? He feels like he did the, Why? Because on that mountain, when the Lord interrupted him through his angel and said, no, no, I've seen your heart. What's he saying? He's saying, I got a man who will give me his own flesh and blood begotten son. I got a right to give that man seed my only begotten son. Abraham's known forever as the friend of God. The man who would do this act of faith, this sacrifice on such a level that it would bless. When he said, and in your seed will all the tribes and people of the earth be blessed. We're a result of it. And the millions like us. With great glory is attached to great sacrifice. Are y'all with me, friends? This hasn't been taught as much, perhaps, as it needs to be in so-called word circles. Now, there is no more sacrifice for sin. That's been done, right? The blood of Jesus is the complete sacrifice. And there's people say, well, Lord, how could I ever repay you? Don't bring that up. You can't. Quit saying that. You can never repay. You don't need to repay. It's been paid. Right? There was only one thing that could ever pay it. And that's been paid. But it doesn't mean you got nothing to sacrifice. That you don't have anything you can give. Because we do. We have lots we can give. And do. Luke 14. Did you find it? Luke 14. And verse 26. He said, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. What do you got to be willing to sacrifice? Keep reading. Whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. Didn't say it was tough. You can't. Keep reading. For which of you intending to build a tower sits not down first and does what? Counts the cost. Whether he has sufficient to finish it. Lest haply after he's laid the foundation and is not able to finish it. All that behold it begin to mock him. Saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sits not down first, consults whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him that comes with 20,000? Or else while the other's a great way off, he sends an ambassage and desires conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus gave everything for us, didn't he? He asks the same of you and me. This has not been, like I said, maybe preached as much as it should be. Are we reading the words of the Master? Is this true? Is this right? What does the Lord expect of us? Everything. Everything. And the reason so many times folks don't make it is because they hear a little bit They receive a little bit. They see some things. They get excited. 
And they launch out, I'm going to serve the Lord. But they don't count the cost. You, we must count the cost, we should count the cost, before these things come up, and then we won't struggle with them so much. We've got to make up our mind. We love him more than anybody, more than anything, more than any job, more than any home place, more than any region of the country, more than any hobby, more than any recreation. Come on, are you listening to me, friends? More than mom and daddy, more than children, more than grandkids. I've had people just get fighting mad because I preach some of these things. So, well, now, I don't care what you say, preacher. I'm going to put my family first. And I just believe that's right. If your family is first, God is not. There's only one first slot. If God is first, your family can't be. And putting them first is not what they need. You need to set an example in front of them of putting God first so that they learn to put God first. If you put them first, what are you teaching them? You're teaching them to put their self first. And you're teaching them to put their kids first when they come along. And it'll hurt them. I said it'll hurt them. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Can you say amen or owe me or, or something? The complete English version. <laughs> the complete English version, verse 26. Jesus said, you cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than you love your father and mother, your wife and children and your brothers and sisters. You cannot come with me unless you love me more than you love your own life. The Lord's a jealous God. He does not accept second place. Much less third, fourth, or tenth. Right? And there's a whole group of Christians I call no sacrifice saints. They're interested in finding out how God will help them in their life. Are you with me, friends? How God will help them excel at school and in their profession and help them get what they want naturally and materially and help them be healed and help their babies and yes, yes, yes. But if anything comes up about a sacrifice, oh, well, I'm not called to the ministry. These ain't minister verses. These are Christian verses. Anybody who's going to be a disciple which means a follower. You can be a believer without being a disciple. You can be a believer without being a follower. But you can never have the fullness of the will of God and the blessing of God in your life unless you follow fully. Anybody interested in following fully? Then it's going to cost you something. I said it's going to cost you something. And that's where the rub comes in. It's going to cost you something. It's going to mess with your schedule. It's going to mess with your plans. Well, you know what I found out? Don't come up with your own plans. You just have to die to them anyway. Right? It's just so much better. Just don't produce your own plans. (laughs) What's your dreams and your, your personal dreams and aspirations, Brother Keith? Don't have them. I don't. I don't. There was a time I had some. Had to die to them. I want to make it easy on myself in days to come. What's your dreams and aspirations? My dream is whatever his will is. That's my dream. That's my dream. Not my will. But thy will be done. Lord, whatever you got planned. And I know it will be an adventure. And I know it's going to be things you never thought. You know, I never thought I'd be a pastor. Never thought I'd be in here talking to you tonight like this. But it's one of the greatest things ever happened to me in my life. It's thrilling, exciting. And I know the rest of our life will be the same way. Yes. The Lord will show us things and we'll go, whoo, never thought about that. 
Wowee. You mean me <laughs> doing that. <laughs> Just about everybody on our staff is doing something radically different than they thought they wanted to do. And happy. No, you got to be willing. Everybody say willing. willing. And you got to trust him. I, I had a great revelation. This has been 30 some years ago. I was in my car and I was sitting at a signal light. And I got a revelation. I mean, it just hit me. It just came all over me. It came in me. And this was the revelation. God is smarter than me. Don't you think that's good? God is, no, no, really. God is really, really smarter than me. What, what do you mean, brother? Didn't you know that before? Well, yeah, if you'd asked me, I'd have said that, but it went off in me. And I saw some things I hadn't seen before. I began to sit there and, and, and meditate and get excited. I thought, he made me. He knows what's in me that I don't have a clue. He knows where I'm supposed to go, what I'm supposed to do. He put that in me. I don't know all that. I should trust him. He's smarter than me. Right? So when he says, do this, we're going here, we're doing this, even if my initial response is, huh? Oh, I never, no, I never thought that. We got to be quick to do what the master said. I delight to do your will, O God. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. And I learned I can do that as an act of my will. There's been several things. I thought, Lord, I want to do this. I want to do this. And the Lord directed me. No, I don't want you doing that. And I said, right. Exactly right. You don't like it. I don't like it. My mind's going, yes, you do. You've always said, shut up, shut up. Nobody asked you. He doesn't like it. I don't like it. I'm, I'm with him. Right? I delight to do your will, oh God. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. And then there have been some things I thought, well, you know, I'd, I'd never do that. And the Lord prompted me, I want you to do that. I mean, this pastor thing. Whew, I prayed and fasted for weeks. <laughs> I thought, God, I don't want to step into a place I'm not called to. And, and there were some other folks thought, no, you're not called to that. <laughs> they weren't helping at all. And, and finally, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, quit trying to figure this thing out. Just do what I told you to do. And man, I, I saw it. I, I'd been dragging my feet. And I said, God, forgive me. Forgive me. No, no. Uh, I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brother Keith, pastor, that's me. <laughs> and my head's going, don't, don't. <laughs> no. And I, Shut up, head. Nobody asked you. Nobody asked you. And it's just been one of the greatest things. One of the greatest things in our life so far. I can't explain. I'd have to talk in tongues and couldn't express it. How rich you have added to my life. The, the family in this church and the family, I, I can't describe it. It's just hallelujah. So wonderful. I, I'm so glad I wasn't stupid. <laughs> Clung to my little ideas of what I could do and what I was and was not. And, and limited God in my life. He said, you can't be my disciple unless you love me more than them, including your own life. 27, you cannot be my disciple unless you carry your own cross and come with me. We're going to talk about this later. Do you know some things in our life, some things about us need to be nailed? They need to be nailed? Is that easy? That's where some of the suffering comes in. Ain't suffering being sick. It ain't suffering being broke. It's suffering. Crucifying your flesh. Submitting your will to his will. And it can be as arduous as laying it on the piece of wood and nailing it. But it stands between you and God's ultimate place for you. He said, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. What's the first thing you'll do? Won't you sit down, figure out how much it'll cost, and if you have money to pay for it, otherwise you start building and not able to finish it. Count the cost. Everybody say, count the cost. Is it going to cost you something to serve God like you're supposed to? 
Is it going to cost you something to go all the way? Just a little bit? No. It's going to cost you a lot. Isn't it? It's going to cost you a lot to go all the way. Is it worth it? Here's the question. Is it? Can you trust God? Is he going to mess up your life? Is he going to destroy everything that you, you've built and done? Is he going to leave you high and dry? Wishing you'd never trusted him. Wishing you'd never followed him. Can you trust him? Can you trust him, saints? Yes, you can. Somebody say, yes, you can. Go to Matthew in closing. Matthew, the 13th chapter. Matthew 13, Jesus is speaking. And he said, Matthew 13, 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened a treasure hid in a field. The which when a man has found, he hides and for joy. Everybody say joy, joy. Is this crying and feeling sorry for yourself and depressed and upset? No, this is joy. Why? Keep reading. For joy thereof, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Does he feel like somebody's punishing him? Because he's liquidating everything he's got. Sells all that he has. Say it out loud. Sells all that he has. Say it again. Sells all that he has. Is he depressed? Is he crying? Is he sobbing? No. What? Joy. Why? Because he has found something worth selling it all. He's found something that's bigger and better and greater by far. He doesn't even wince when he sells it. He doesn't cry. He doesn't shed a tear. He's joyful. Joy. He's glad. Glad he had it to give. Glad he had it to liquidate. 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, the pearl of great price, what did he do? What did he do? Who's talking here? Jesus, the head of the church. What's he telling us? Why is he telling us these stories? He said, this is how the kingdom is. This is how it works with you. Walking with me. This is how my plan is. This is how the kingdom is. He found that one pearl. Of great price. What did he do? Went and sold all. That he had. Say it out loud. Went and sold all. That he had. What did he do? Sold all. That he had. Say it three more times. Sold all. That he had. Again. Sold all that he had and bought it and shouted and said, I got the greatest pearl that's ever been. I got the pearl. I got the pearl. I got the pearl. I got the pearl. He had a bunch of stuff and he traded it all. He traded it all. He sold it all. So he could get that. Is there anything in this life worth selling it all? Leaving it all? Turning loose of it all? Walking away from it all? Paul said this, you remember? He said, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I had a claim. I had stature. I had this. He said, I counted all dumb. I lost it all. And I am glad about it that I may win Christ, that I may know Him. That's the pearl of great price, is walking with Him, finding His plan, doing His will, being where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing, friend. There's nothing like it in this world. There is nothing like laying your head on the pillow at night. 
and you're not wrestling and you're not crying I'm doing the will of God what's wrong in my life no you know you are you're where you're supposed to be there's joy there's peace there's not enough money on the planet there's not enough stuff on the planet worth forfeiting God's will and plan because it'll never bring you happiness and satisfaction in the absence of doing his will. It cannot replace it. I don't care how rich you could ever be. It can't replace it. Great is our God and his plan is great and glorious and we can trust him. Oh, somebody say, I can trust him. Stand up on your feet, everybody. I can and I will trust you. Oh, thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.